You are listening to the Passion City Church Podcast. To learn more about Passion City Church, including our gathering times in Atlanta and Washington, D.C., visit us online at passioncitychurch.com. Today's talk comes from Pastor Louis Giglio. We're going to be opening up to an Old Testament promise today. It's found in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, and we're going to talk about some of the context of this particular story under the title today, 20 Inches to Mercy. We're all very distance conscious right now. In fact, I would put in my early vote for the word of the year 2020 is going to be social distancing, a phrase that none of us had even thought about until a few months ago, but now it is the thing. I was in the pharmacy just a couple of days ago and lining up to check out, there was a blue uh, square on the floor out of tape here, and there was another one here, and there was another one here, letting us all know what the appropriate social distancing is. Is. We've all got six feet in our minds right now, making sure that we're keeping that safe and healthy distance from people all around us. So we've got space in our minds right now. We've got distances in our minds right now. And I want to talk about a distance today that could change the whole world, could certainly change your life forever today. And it's 20 inches to mercy. I know that what we need in this incredible, uncertain time that we are in right now is a cure. We need a vaccine. We need a breakthrough. We need for every human resource to come to bear to slow down the spread of this virus around the world. But I believe we need something in addition to that today, not minimizing at all the magnitude of the situation we're in. We need something else. In fact, we may need something more than anything else. The same thing we need more than anything else on any day in our lives. And that is a spiritual awakening in this world. A spiritual awakening in your life personally and a spiritual awakening in our nation corporately. A spiritual awakening for the professionals and the politicians. A spiritual awakening for the rich and the poor alike. A spiritual awakening that starts in homes but moves out to nations. We need a spiritual awakening in China. We need a spiritual awakening in Iran. We need a spiritual awakening in Italy. A spiritual awakening in Atlanta, Georgia. I need a spiritual awakening. What the world needs today is a spiritual revival of the heart. And all of us are convinced that we are in unprecedented times. But I believe that in these times, God is speaking. And I believe that in these times and through these times, God desires to extend mercy to every single person on planet Earth. So again, we're not going to try in any way to belittle what we are up against in the world right now. We're just recognizing that once there is a cure, once we do have a vaccine, once we are on the other side of this situation, we're all going to be in exactly the same place we were in before it came. And that is we need to wake up to the wonder of the God who made us and the life that he has created us for. And that's what this promise is really all about. This promise centers in two words, if 
and then. If we were at church today, I probably would have just said, can you say those two words with me? And people wouldn't have really wanted to, but they would have because we would have been in the same space together. But could we try it maybe around the globe right now? The two words today, could you say them with me, are if and then. Let's try it one more time. They are if and then. And these words unlock the promise that God has for us in this text. Second Chronicles 7, verse 14. The temple has just been established, built by Solomon for the worship of God's people. It's the story of God from beginning to end, but at this journey in the story, for the first time in history for God's people, there's a place, a building to go to meet with God. And Solomon has built a temple and now is dedicating the temple to the glory of God, to the worship of God by the people who have been redeemed by God. And in the middle of this dedication where God's presence fills up the temple, where the glory of God, the power of God, the holiness of God, the otherness of God is on display, we find this promise from God in verse 14. It says, if, there's our first word today, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Four things. If my people, and today that's where this message begins. The entire world is in the middle of a pandemic. But God is saying, I want my people to rise up. I don't want the church to be sitting on the sideline, just sort of helping people pass the time. I want my church to step forward in faith, to rise up and believe in God. And I want to start this new work, this spiritual awakening in the church with my people. If my people, the ones who are called by my name, will do these four things. If they will humble themselves, if they will pray, if they will seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then, there comes our second word, and this is the promise, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Now, we're not limited to the context of the Old Testament situation in 2 Chronicles 7. We're further down in the story where we've seen a Messiah and we've seen a death on a cross, a resurrection from the grave. We've seen the coming of the Holy Spirit and the birthing of the church and the people of God. But we still can cling to this promise today that God wants to heal our land, that God isn't against us. On the contrary, God is for us, that God wants to bring a healing, not just to you, not just to your family, not just in your world, but God wants to bring a healing in the nations and a healing in the land. If my people, the ones who are called by my name, will humble themselves, will pray, will seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. I believe more than anything else that this could be the greatest 
time in our generation. Yes, it's a difficult season, a terrible season. Yes, there's been loss and death and pain of every kind, and it's probably going to get worse, save a miracle of God before it gets better. But in and through all of this could come the if and the then that brings healing to our nations and healing to our land. It could be the moment where the spiritual awakening like we have not seen in our lifetime happens on planet Earth. This is the promise of God and the hope of God, if and then. Now that if, obviously, is a question. It's on the table today. It means the people of God, the ones called by his name. We could just be bystanders. We could just be reading the headlines. We could just be watching for the latest update. We could just all be social distancing and uh, self-isolating. And we could be maintaining it. Or we could step up and say, there's a then in this equation. So let's get busy with the if in this equation. There's a then for not only the people of God, but for all people. So as the people of God, let's take the if seriously today and let's do what God is inviting us to do. But there's another word in this passage because the verse above sets up this promise in verse 14. And in verse 13, we see another word and it's the word when. So we have a when and then an if and then a then. Let's look at the wind together because it's a little bit more difficult verse and I think it's surfacing some of the questions that maybe you're asking or your friends or coworkers are asking in this time. It says in verse 13, when, speaking for God, when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. When, if, and then. And I think we need to take this when head on today. Because it raises at least two questions that people are asking me, and those are these. Number one, is God judging the world through this pandemic? Is this God's way of judging all the people on planet Earth? The second question that is emerging is a question that emerges in all difficulty, it seems, and it is this. If God is loving and good, then why is this pandemic sweeping the globe? And I want to look at the second question first, because whenever these sort of philosophical questions arise, and I think a lot of us are genuinely asking the questions, sometimes it's just a straw man. I don't really want to face reality and deal with the possibility of God, so I'm going to keep putting all my straw man questions up. But I think a lot of us are genuinely wanting to know, is this God judging the world? Maybe footnote to that, is this the end of time? We're talking about fires and floods and wars and pestilence, and there are locusts swarming on planet earth right now and now plagues is it the end time is it God judging the world and is this maybe God's way of correcting the situation on earth secondly if he is a good God and a loving God then why is 
this happening? So question number two, let's look at that together. And I want to examine the question. So before you have to spend a lot of time sorting out an answer, you need to really look at the question. And when we see this in 2 Chronicles uh, verse 14, there's a big if in the story. And when we ask the question, if God is loving and good, we're looking in this text through the lens of 900 plus years B.C., So when Solomon dedicates this temple, we're almost a thousand years before the birth of Jesus, before the arrival of God in human flesh. Their lens was God is holy. God is just. God is other than us. God is glorious and beyond us. And we're trying to build a temple fitting for him, a place we can offer sacrifice for our sins. And now he's coming down in his presence and filling up the temple. And we're all standing in awe of who he is. That's the lens. We're looking forward to God's Messiah, looking forward to what God might do in the future. But that's not our lens today. We're actually looking backwards 2,000 years after Christ at this promise in 2 Chronicles 7. And the lens that we're looking through primarily is the lens of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. We're looking back in history, not forward to God's history. And as we look back in history, we see a cross standing right in the middle of history. And on that cross, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, gave his innocent life for the sins of the world. On that cross, he was forsaken, abandoned, and abused for you and me so that we could be forgiven and made whole and invited into the family of God. To put it a different way, he was condemned under the judgment of God so that we could receive, through faith in him, the mercy of God. We always see in the story the holiness of God, but the sacrifice that God is willing to make, the distance he's willing to go to reach to you and to reach to me. And what we see as we look through our lens today is the mercy of God. So you say, well, what difference does that make? And the question, if God is loving and good, then why is this pandemic sweeping the world? It takes the if out of the question. There is no if in the question, if God is loving and good. We know for sure that God is loving and good. We see it through the lens of the cross. So the questions are real. And can I just say today, God invites our questions. God is not afraid of our concerns. God doesn't want us to just cover our eyes and step out on some giant limb of faith. He's fine to dialogue with you about whatever it is that's concerning you in your pursuit of him. But you have to make sure you ask the question right. And this question would be rightly posed. God, I know you're loving and I know you're good. So then why? is this pandemic sweeping the world? And I think we find part of the answer simply in the fact that you and I have chosen less than God's best. It's it's a simplification maybe in language, but not in terms of philosophy and worldview. The reason we are in the position we are in is because we have chosen less than God's best. And the fruit of that is we live on a broken planet 
that is groaning, the scripture says, for the moment in time where it will be made whole and be reborn into a brand new earth, a brand new heaven and a brand new earth, just as God intended. But before that moment, there's a season called mercy. And you and I are in that season of mercy right now. On practical terms, we're in the middle of a pandemic because bats carry the coronavirus. Not a coronavirus, a plethora of coronaviruses. We're in a pandemic because in a market somewhere on planet Earth, bats and uh, uh, probably a lot of other kinds of animals, specifically um, panelins, were placed together in close quarters. A panelin, if you don't know what it is, an amazing animal, one of the most trafficked animals on planet Earth, probably in proximity to a coronavirus-infected bat. Somehow, uh, we don't want to get into the details, uh, the transmission of that disease to the panelin, and then the panelin was a transmitter, most likely, to human beings. So why are we in this pandemic? We're in this pandemic because of that. There's your why right there. But you're saying, well, there's a loving and a good God. Why would he allow a bat to be put in a cage near a panel and a virus to be transmitted to a transmitting animal that then would reach human beings and then would reach every continent on planet Earth? God didn't make all those decisions. We did. And we make other decisions that are catastrophic every single day of our lives. We choose less than God's best. And as we do that, and as we have done that through history, beginning with Adam and Eve down to me and to you, then we are facilitating a world that is going to be filled with pain. And in that world, there's one thing you can count on. There is a God in the middle of that broken world who is loving and who is good. You know this because of the cross. And you understand because of the cross that he takes the worst circumstances and somehow uses them for greater good. So the first question is God judging the world. Well, I don't presume to speak for God in this moment today, but I do have his word and I do have history. And I would say this, God is going to judge the world. If you look at Romans chapter two, verse four, you see an amazing concept. The verse says this, that it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. The kindness of God, not the hammer of God, not the sledgehammer of God that leads us to repentance, but the kindness of God, the way he's reached out to us, the way he has served us, the way he's given himself for us, the way that he's patient with us, the way that he keeps reaching out to you and to me through all of our stubbornness, all of our craziness, all of our rebellion. He keeps reaching. He keeps reaching. He keeps reaching. It's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. But that verse is in the context of A, us judging someone else when we know we've got weaknesses in our own lives. And then on the back side of the verse, it says, but make no mistake, judgment is coming. So the message that the church must proclaim to the world today is judgment is on the horizon. There is a day coming when 
the worst of all scenarios is going to play out. And that is we are all going to have to stand before a holy and righteous God. And in that moment, we are going to want the covering of mercy and the covering of his grace. And without it, there will be nowhere to turn for you and nowhere to turn for me. Without the mercy that he is extending now, you do not want to be standing in that coming moment of judgment. Is this God's judgment? Is this plague or this pandemic the judgment of God? That's only for God to say. But what I would ask is that maybe we invert the question and ask it this way. Is God reaching out to the world right now? Is God speaking to the whole world right now to give them the very best, which is himself? I think scripture teaches, if you look from beginning to end, that nothing happens on earth that doesn't pass through the filter of God's sovereignty and his sovereign plans. Now, people always want to slice that up. Does that mean God causes it? Does he allow it? Does God cause the hardship to happen? Does he allow the hardship to happen? I think we're all just parsing words that aren't that helpful to us. We live on a broken planet, mostly because of ourselves. But in the midst of all that, God is still in control. And the scripture shows us that nothing happens on earth that doesn't pass through God's sovereign plans. You're like, can you explain that to me? Yes, I take us back to the cross. Man's decision. We're going to put Jesus on trial. We're going to cook up false accusations against him. We're going to hustle him through some midnight trials and then put him on a cross and crucify him. But all the while, God is in control and God is working through the lens, the filter of his sovereign plan. Nothing happens on earth that doesn't pass through the filter of God's sovereign plans and his desire to give us the very best, which is himself. Now, if you and I make foolish choices, there are going to be consequences. And some of that consequence is judgment, in effect, in effect. But I believe the story today isn't about a God judging the world. It's about a God offering mercy to you and me, just 20 inches to mercy for you and me right now. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. If you're faced with a worst case scenario with this virus, my prayer for you today is that you will know the truth of that invitation. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him, believed in the work of Jesus, the person of Jesus, would not perish, but would have everlasting life. And you can have that peace with God right here and right now today, the gift of eternal life. But the second part of that is in the next verse, verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. There's no doubt 
This is a wake-up call for the world. There's no doubt this is an alarm bell sounding for the people of planet Earth, but the alarm is sounding to know that we are living in an age where mercy is available, where grace is on the table, and where any of us can turn to God and we can find forgiveness of our sins and a healing in our life and our families' lives in our marriages and our cities, our families and the nation and in the world. This is a time for all of us to find hope in God. Is God judging the world? I'd say it a different way. God's reaching for the world and he's reaching for you. Shelly and I were at the National Championship Collegiate uh, game a few years ago in the Rose Bowl in California. And I was standing on the field before the game and warm-ups were happening. Players were you know, spread across the field. And there I was standing there sort of in, by myself. And um, all of a sudden, my phone buzzed in my pocket. And so I unzipped the sweatpants and I reached into my phone and I pulled it out and someone was calling me. It was someone I knew, obviously. And they, a uh, good friend of mine, but I didn't think I really wanted to talk at the moment. So I just uh, said decline, put my phone back in, zipped my pocket back up and went back to what I was doing on the field. Minute goes by, two minutes go by, phone buzzes again. And I'm thinking, eh, okay, don't really want to go through that again. So I'm just going to let this one go. Phone buzzes again. I'm thinking, okay, going to pick this one up and look at it. So I open up again. It's not a call. It's a text. My texts don't come up on my home screen. So I have to open up, click on my message icon. And when I do, I've got two texts who've, who've, that have come in since I got the phone call. And the texts are basically the same sentence, why are you screening my call? <laughs> and I'm like, uh-oh, somebody sees me right now. Turns out the friend who was calling me was at the national championship game. They are sitting in the stadium right now. They're looking down onto the field, and they're seeing me, and they're watching me screen their call. <laughs> I didn't reply to the text right then. I just put the phone back in my pocket and kind of did a little wave and said, I'm sorry about that. We'll talk later. And we did actually talk later and we laughed later about it. But have you ever been in a situation like that where you're calling somebody, you can see them and they're screening your call right in view of who you are and you're like, hello, hello, I'm right here. I think the world right now and the world in general is screening the call of Almighty God. He's reaching. We're screening the call. Went through a difficulty in the business. God's calling. Screen. Marriage is on the rocks. God's reaching. He's calling. Screen. Uh, all of a sudden, that emptiness of heart. I've got all this stuff going on. It's not meeting my need. God's calling. Difficulties coming through a situation that your family's facing, and God's calling. He's calling, he's calling. And right now through the situation that we're in globally, God Almighty is calling his creation. I'm just encouraging you today. This is not the call you want to screen today. You want to take that call. Because it is God in the middle of a very difficult situation extending his heart to you to say more than anything else on this earth, what you need is me. And in the middle of all of this, through the filter of my sovereign plans, I want to wake you up.
Wake you up to what? To the reality that I am here, that I made you, and I love you, and I am for you, and I want to fill you, and I want to give you the very, very best. In this context of Second Chronicles 7, you're like, this whole when and if and then, the cycle that had been going on over and over and over with these people of God was simply this. God would give them abundance. In abundance, they would wander into rebellion. Rebellion would lead them to bondage. Bondage would call them to cry out to God. God would respond in mercy, and then God would deliver them and bring them back into abundance. And in abundance, they would forget God, and they would rebel and turn to their own ways. And then they would end up in bondage, cry out to God. God would have mercy. God would deliver. God would lead them back into abundance over and over and over and over the cycle would go. And God was saying, when you get into situations like this, you've got to understand what you need is a spiritual renewal. Wake up, look up, call out to heaven, humble yourselves, turn from your wicked ways, seek my face, and I will have mercy on you. God is closer than you think he is today. You're like 20 inches to mercy. That sounds like, you know, you can almost reach out and touch it. That's how close God is to you today. I was thinking about this social distancing thing. And when Jesus died, the gospels tell us there was a thief on the right and a thief on the left. Can you imagine these two convicted criminals dying in close proximity to Jesus? One of them close enough to mock him. Why don't you save yourself if you're really the son of God and save all of us? The other criminal realizes I'm within earshot of mercy right now. He yells at the other criminal and says, why are you scoffing at this man? This is an innocent man and he's done nothing wrong. And then he says these words to Jesus, remember me when you come in your kingdom. He understands that he's close enough to reach out with his last few breaths to call out to God in mercy. And Jesus says to him, six feet away, today, you will be with me in paradise. Do you realize that the if and the then is more of a possibility than you and I could have ever imagined? That God is just waiting for the church, waiting for his people, waiting for you, waiting for all of us to do the one thing that he asked us to do, to step into the if today and to take that 20-inch journey to mercy. You're like, well, what is the 20 inches? The 20 inches is the distance between right here and right here. It's the distance for me standing. I got it. I'll figure it out. We'll weather the storm. We'll survive. We'll hunker down. I can make it. To, oh my goodness, God Almighty, He's calling me. He's been calling me for a long, long time. The God of heaven is reaching for me. He's been reaching for me for a long, long time. My aunt, she's been praying. 
My mom, she's been encouraging me. Circumstances and situations have been pushing and prodding me, but I've been staining, I've been staining, I've been staining, I've been staining, I've been staining. And today's the day to say, I need mercy in my life. And I am willing to take the 20-inch journey to my knees. A few chapters later, in Chronicles, a king named Jehoshaphat is faced with three armies coming on different sides. And this is what he says, one of the wisest things a leader can say. He said, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. God spoke through a prophet to him. I believe like God is speaking to us today and in these days. And he said, you're not going to have to fight this battle. I'm going to fight it for you. Oh, you're going to have to go stand at the front line. You're going to have to prepare and do everything you can do. But you don't have to fight this battle. I will fight it for you. And when the prophet spoke, the king, it says a few verses later, bowed down with his face to the ground. And he praised the almighty God. I don't know for you how long it's been since you took the 20 inches to where your knees were on the ground. But wouldn't it be powerful if that's what God saw among his people all across earth today? I remember a few years ago, I was sharing a version of this message in Madison Square Garden in the heart of Manhattan, an arena built for sporting events and concerts, for basketball and hockey, not built for people to kneel before God. But I just invited a sold-out arena to take this journey. And I'll never forget the sight of just looking, and all I could see were heads and shoulders across this arena. And it, would it be beautiful today if that's what heaven saw in the living rooms and in the dens and the kitchens. Maybe you're parked in a car right now and you just open the door and just slide out onto your knees. You may not feel comfortable doing that. You may not be able to do that where you are. Maybe there's a coworker, or a neighbor. You're like, man, we've never been in a moment like this. I don't know. Maybe this isn't the right day. Well, you can kneel in your heart. But I wonder if you're able, if you'd be willing today to take this journey, all of us across the nations today, simultaneously in this moment, on our knees before Almighty God, humbling ourselves and praying. You say, well, I wouldn't know what to pray, Louis. I didn't go to parochial school. I haven't been in church in a long time. I don't even think I could get through the Lord's Prayer. Prayer is, God, I need you. Jesus, I need you. I need you to save me. I, I need to turn around today. My life is going in the wrong direction. My choices are leading me to death and not life. I'm acting like I've got it all together, but I am falling apart. I've got everything the world says you need to be happy, but I am not happy. I am struggling 
and I am fighting and I don't know what I'm clinging to and why I'm still standing. Today, I humble myself before the God who gave his own son for me. And I say, I need forgiveness. I need a savior. I need your mercy. I need your grace. I need to be saved today. I need the gift of eternal life. But all of us today can pray this prayer. God, we need a miracle. We pray for the medical leaders. We pray for the doctors. We pray for those who are working on cures. We pray for our presidents and premiers and prime ministers. And we pray for our governors and our mayors. And we pray for all those who are in authority, who are helping in this crisis. And Lord, we will do everything we can, but we need a miracle. We need supernatural help from heaven. We need God Almighty to do what we cannot do. So we are humbling ourselves before you, God, and we are seeking your face today. We are turning away from our evil ways today, and we are asking you, God, to not only forgive our sin, but to heal our land. What if... The word of 2020 is not social distancing. What if the word for 2020 is undoubtedly Jesus? Because a spiritual awakening came to this world like we have not seen in our generation. What if your story was it was during the pandemic breakout that I found Jesus in my life and as a result, my family's life completely changed. So could we pray together? I just wanna give you a moment to pray. Maybe you wanna ask God to save you right now. Confess your sin to him. Turn away from your own ways. Thank him for what he did for you on the cross. Ask him to forgive you and give you a brand new life and a brand new heart, the gift of eternal life. Father, we come to you today on our knees. We come not standing in our own strength and ability, but we come humble and low. We come admitting our shortcomings, admitting our limitations, and admitting our weaknesses. We admit our fears. We admit our rebellion. We admit that left to ourselves, we will walk away from your abundance and do it our own way. But thank you, God, that when we call out in this season of grace, we don't get judgment. We get mercy. And we are crying out today for your mercy. Father, we pray for those who are leading our nations and our cities, our states, our provinces. We pray, God, for supernatural discernment, for God-birthed wisdom, for stamina, courage, clarity, and unity. We pray, God, for your grace to turn down the volume on the critiques and to turn up the hope of cooperation for the common good of all men on planet Earth. 
God, we pray the protection of the name, the blood, and the authority of Jesus over every person who is leading any endeavor on planet Earth right now to increase the production of medical equipment, to guide and lead hospitals, to provide the production of the necessary protection elements that we need. We pray for every medical person, every nurse, every technician, every doctor. We pray for our leaders, our political leaders, for Congress. We pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that you would touch them today from heaven with a supernatural infusion of miraculous energy. And Lord, we pray and ask you in Jesus' name, will you heal our land? Father, will you open eyes around the globe today to see that you're calling? Will you open ears around the globe today to hear the voice of Jesus? Will you open hearts home by home, city by city, town by town, to say yes to Jesus today? Would you bring to us an awakening, a revival, a new day, a day where Jesus is king in our hearts? Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes today are on you. Let it be so for your glory. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, let it be so. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at passioncitychurch.com or download the Passion Movement app. And again, thanks for listening to the Passion City Church Podcast.